0: This is the Enthusiasts Guild, a podcast about wonderful and interesting things with the people who enjoy them. I'm Fletcher C. Finch. I'm Adam Zaremski. And this is a special bonus episode. Dr. Louisa Sameska previously spoke with us about studying works of art at the Cornell High Energy Synchrotron Source. We've asked Louisa to share an example of synchrotron X ray research. She was part of a team that investigated a painting called Exit from the Theater and discovered secrets that had been hidden for 150 years. There's a link in our show notes to an image of the painting and to Louisa's published research. Louisa, can you tell us about this painting?
1: The painting Exit from the Theater by Daumier is a panel that belongs to the Nelson Atkins Museum of Art. And they were doing a larger study of their uh, 19th century paintings. And this one this one came up for further study because it doesn't appear in any of the Catalog Catalogues raisonne for, for Daumier, the Honoré Daumier. So, Honoré Daumier is he's a French artist who is most famous for his printmaking. And the catalog raisonne, which is sort of like the list of uh, accepted works by an artist. And so, if something doesn't appear in there, it doesn't mean that it's not authentic. I guess it just means there are questions. I'm a scientist. I'm not trying to authenticate artwork. I am. Trying to understand the materials and the techniques and present that information for people who are experts in in Daumier's methods and his works to you know reconsider the panel basically. So our our contribution to that study was was just that was to try and understand more about how the object was made to see if it could be linked um, to any other known works by by Domier. that was an interesting project because they had actually tried to do scanning x-ray fluorescence on it before not, but not at a synchrotron it's possible to to do this measurement with a system that just sits in a lab that 's what I was doing when I was working at the Met mm-hmm. but it does it does the measurement with a larger x-ray spot size and much lower x-ray intensity. So there are limitations on the information that you can get out compared to what we can do at, at the synchrotron. So they brought the panel to us to explore with the higher energies and the higher intensities of x-rays that we have. Yeah, we weren't expecting to find all the things we found, and that was very rewarding.
2: I guess as someone who has looked at that painting quite a bit, could you, you know, it, it, the painting's called Exit from a Theater. Could you describe What what the main image that people, when they look at it.
1: Right. So the painting Exit from the Theater shows kind of a crowd of people in a street leaving a theater. There's a playbill on a wall in the background. It's a dark kind of evening scene. And the people in the scene don't look particularly happy. I think the composition of the painting is based on a print that Domier made. Um, showing people leaving the theater after a tragic performance.
2: It is. I mean, a lot of the people, because the painting possibly is from 18. I can't think the exact date that it was, but 1860s. Is that when they're looking at? Yes. So dressed in that style. There's a lot of dark coats. They're they're in formal wear.
1: Many top hats.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So then you got the image or the painting. I think it was like sixteen inches by thirteen inches. If um, we happen to look at the paper recently, you probably I know you yeah, so. looked at it way more
1: recently than <laughs> me. I'm picturing it's not that much bigger than a laptop. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You see this theater scene uh, by eye, but around the edges of the panel, it is possible to see some tiny, tiny patches of, of brighter of brighter colors than you would see in the theater scene. You only see that if you if the panel is out of its frame and only in some really tiny spaces. That's something that the conservators noticed during their examination of the work.
2: And it would give them clues towards something else Is with something's going on here.
1: Precisely. That was part of what gave the suggestion that there was something else going on. When they get to that point in the investigation, the typical thing to do is just take a radiograph because often you'll get a lot of information about multiple layers of paint all at once but in this case there was a really thick layer of lead white paint uh, underneath the theater scene and so that completely obscured anything else that might have been there in the radiograph all you really see is this kind of blank swath of
2: lead (laughs) so the lead white that's something if they're like if someone's repainting over it, they would have put this base coat on. It's way. Am I hearing is that accurate?
1: That's completely right. So, oh, cool.
2: <laughs> Adam, as a Superman fan, you you will know that
0: that lead uh, often blocks radiation, and so kryptonite and X rays cannot pass through it. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: that's right. So, it was that that layer of lead white that was part of what made it problematic to look at this painting with the kind of laboratory scale x-ray fluorescence measurement it wasn't really possible to have energy so so the higher higher x-ray energies can penetrate through thicker or denser things and so the laboratory system has kind of a limited high uh, amount of x-rays that it can emit at high energies and I guess there's two issues. One is it can't go up to very high energies and it also can't be tuned to lower energies because there's also an energy that specifically excites the lead. So it was kind of getting swamped by the lead signal and also not able to see anything at the higher energies. So when they brought the painting to the synchrotron, we actually did two experiments. One was to use high energy to look at what could penetrate through the lead. And the other was to actually use a lower energy and not excite the lead so that we didn't get swamped by the lead signal, basically. Hmm. So neither of those are things you can do with the lab system, but it was, it was when we were doing the high energy scan that we saw several things we didn't expect. When we're looking at objects at the synchrotron with, with this X-ray fluorescence method, they're, they're long experiments. They take, several hours. Um, You have a tiny x-ray beam, you have a macroscopically large painting and you need to scan this whole painting back and forth through the x-ray beam to build up the image. It often happens that you spend the whole day getting it set up and the actual measurement doesn't start until kind of late in the evening and you can't walk away because it's expensive and important artwork and so you're sitting there late at night watching these images build up line by line by line <laughs> and it it seems like it would be boring but when you're looking through the elemental maps that are coming up one by one and you start to see something that you didn't expect to be there for it's just there's i don't know it's just one of the most exciting things and totally addictive <laughs> and for the for the domier painting, this exit from the theater, it was late at night and we were watching these mountains just appear out of nowhere. We had no indication before doing the measurement that, you know, what what that tin pigment was doing there, that there was anything underneath worth seeing. And and there they were. There were mountains there. And the conservator who was there with with the painting She's been she had been doing a lot of the background research on the painting and she actually found the picture of the landscape that matched those mountains while we were sitting there at the beamline. It was it was so cool. Oh wow. The tin was probably coming from a pigment called cerulean blue. There were a couple of other elements that showed up as well that we didn't see while we were looking at the data in real time at the beamline. It wasn't until after With a little bit more sleep, (laughs) that we started to, that we were able to carefully fit the data. And we also found cadmium, most likely coming from a cadmium yellow pigment, and also antimony, which also was probably from a yellow pigment. Um, Both of those were showing up and highlighting additional mountains in the mountain range and also vegetation in the foreground that we didn't know about before.
2: So based on the the chemical makeup, I guess, of what the x-rays seeing, I hope I'm saying that correctly, you're able to tell the colors behind this lead white that was blocking it originally.
1: Right. So x-ray fluorescence is element specific, but not compound specific. So we learn what elements are there, and we have to make an educated guess about what the pigment would have been and what the color would have been. Actually, in this case, after we did the mapping, the conservation scientist uh, who was involved in the project, John Twilley, went back and took micro samples guided by the maps to see if he could confirm the pigment identities that we were inferring. So, so that's often something that happens too. Micro
2: samples happen. are like actually taking a piece off the painting.
1: When you take use a tiny, tiny, tiny needle to remove a microscopic flake of paint to look at under a under a powerful microscope. Maybe this is just my own opinion, but that seems to me to be a more responsible way of taking samples because you can use the elemental maps to choose exactly where you're going to sample to get the most information rather than just kind of guessing where it could be
2: sure it sounds like the process the plan like this is almost like here's this step and then okay now you can do this step
0: right so just to sum up they they brought this painting the size of a laptop to you with the the theater scene on the surface the theater scene visible and you could tell that behind that is a, a complete layer of white, and then behind that layer of white, there's the scene with mountains and vegetation, and some blues and some yellows, and probably greens. And right. And then you said that one of the conservators who you were with was able to uh, identify what that scene was.
1: Yes. So. There's an inscription on the back of the panel referring to Captain John Speak. And so this is something that they are, who is the, he was kind of the famous British explorer searching for the source of the Nile. So this was already known, but it wasn't clear what the connection was between speaks expeditions and Honoré Daumier, the politic, French political cartoonist. <laughs> it seemed kind of, uh, kind of far-fetched perhaps, um, but knowing that connection the conservator was looking at watercolors that were related to Speaks expeditions and she found a landscape that com- that exactly matched the profile of the mountains that we were seeing down, down to the last little divot in the top of the mountain.
0: <laughs> uh, that must have been so exciting.
1: It was amazing. It it feels a little bit like, well, it just felt like something falling into place, like uh, all the pieces falling into place.
0: And and you said this is happening late at night while you've been working for hours, and you're you're watching this map out, and you can see the, I guess the the outlines or the silhouette of of the mountains, and you're making, you know, you're making this discovery together.
1: Yeah, it was an amazing bonding experience, too. But honestly, the worst part is that we mounted the painting with the theater scene right side up, and we were scanning from the bottom up. The landscape is rotated 180 degrees relative to the theater scene. So we were watching just first. The first thing we saw was just the tip of the mountain peak because it's slowly being unveiled <laughs> <laughs> we're trying to imagine it rotated in our heads
2: doing handstands <laughs>
1: exactly
2: why was that i don't know if you know why was that done in the past to have here's a piece of art cover it over and then someone else paints on it. is is that common or what was the deal with that
1: it was really common for artists to reuse materials um for reasons anywhere from you know we speculate well speculation about uh, their financial circumstances at the time whether they I think it's I think in this case there's the the date of the theater scene corresponds to a time when when Domi had kind of lost one of his more lucrative commissions at a newspaper um, and the there were many there were many artists in his circle who were involved in the publication of Speaks Expeditions in for the for the French press. And for that publication, many of the original illustrations were were redone. So it while the initial connection between this British explorer and this French primarily printmaker seemed maybe far fetched at the surface. It, I've become convinced that that it could it could be plausible that an you know, an artist acquaintance of has made this painting of this landscape for a publication, it got transferred to an engraving for for the publication was no longer needed and Omed was able to repurpose it. It seems more plausible to me now than than it did when, when the idea first
0: appeared. You're in a unique position because you're probably more aware of the work and the materials and more connected to that piece of material culture than anyone has been since that person created it. So I, I feel like there's just that direct connection between you and the and the creator.
1: It feels like a very privileged position. It is. It is really really fun.
0: <laughs> I guess that that leads into one of my questions too: is how many people are there who are doing the work that you're doing?
1: It's a it's a small that's a small world, and as as you can tell, like I'm not doing this work full time every day. It's you know a small small piece of what I'm doing, but. The people who get to do this full-time all the time, that's a very small number. Um, There are only a handful of museums that are large enough to have a department of scientific research with full-time staff. And there are only a few synchrotrons in the world. And this cultural heritage research happens in other places, but it's always a, a small fraction of all the science that's happening at those light sources.
0: Being in such a specific field... Where are our papers of this type published?
1: this This field is kind of a funny one. There are a couple of there are a couple of journals that exclusively publish scientific research on cultural heritage. One such journal is called Heritage Science and it's open source, so you can actually read uh, every article in there for for free, which is very exciting because it's such an inter interdisciplinary field, it is often hard to place um, where these where these papers should go I think the unfortunate thing is that often there's a little bit of pressure to create kind of the science spin and publish kind of as a technique in a technical pa- technical journal even though there often are historical findings and it is a I, fi- I feel it is a concern how how are those findings being related to you know the, our historical community because they're not going to read Microchemical Journal, they're just not. <laughs> it shouldn't be such a problem, but it. I think the advent of these open source journals is is going to help. Yeah, I'm getting the technical information to a to a wider audience. In the case of the Domier, for example, we we actually have a a second publication that covers much of the same kind of background but also includes more of the conservators observations and she led that and presented it to an audience of conservators so there's you know step by step getting <laughs> getting closer
0: thanks Louisa we've really enjoyed this chance to talk
1: well it's mutual I really appreciate it thank you
0: Thanks for listening to this special bonus episode of the Enthusiasts Guild. If you enjoy our show, please share it with a friend. You can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at The Enthusiasts Guild, on Twitter at Enthusiast Guild, or send us a message at theenthusiastsguild at gmail.com. Our music this episode is Ashton Manor by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, used under a Creative Commons license.